Welcome, everyone, to this Sunday edition of BAMS Radio as we review the 34-24 Alabama loss to the Texas Longhorns, the first non-conference loss, I believe, since Louisiana Monroe at home since Nick Saban took over the Crimson Tide. We remember that loss. That was certainly the low point of his first season uh, as that Alabama team did not finish strong. We will see where this Alabama team goes, a much different story than what we saw in uh, Chapter 1. At home against Middle Tennessee, a 56-7 to win. This time, Alabama only leads one time. They lead 16-13 to as the third quarter winds down, but they end up losing the fourth quarter decisively. They lose by 10 points, 34-24. So a lot of the folks got to give some of these media people credit that picked the Longhorns by double digits. They were correct. Steve Sarkeesian had his team ready to play. Good, good plan defensively. Uh, and they turned Alabama over. Alabama did not disrupt, did not force any turnovers. Uh, you know, the, the biggest stats of the game, I think, five sacks for Texas, none for Alabama. Two turnovers for Alabama, none for Texas, uh, except for a turnover on downs on a fourth down play, which really uh, didn't end up hurting them. And then, of course, when you look at it, Alabama had 10 more penalties. So they've definitely got to work on that. Uh, and they've got uh, some, some soul searching to do. Jalen Milrow, 14 to 27, 255, but two horrendous interceptions. Did have a couple of bright moments, but sound passes of uh, 48 yards to Jermaine Burton, and then another another nice touchdown throw, I believe 39 yards to Amari Nyblack. But, you know, not, not enough consistency in the passing game. Left way too many points on the field. And now Alabama uh, in a, at a crossroads already early in the season. And we're going to discuss that with our two compatriots. And that is, of course, Thomas the Wizard Watts in the Port City of Mobile producing, keeping us on the air. We're going to be interested in his thoughts on this. And William Redfish Barger from 89 to 93, a 92 national champion and somebody that, of course, has the pulse of this program. And we're going to have an interesting uh, discussion today, one we were hoping would be in a better mood. We're hoping it'd be a Reviewing a, a nice win for Alabama, but it's not. So this season already at a turning point. William, it was a frustrating evening at uh, and wasted a great crowd at Bryant-Denny Stadium last night. Yeah, I had the former teammate group text um, to contend with all night. And, uh, you know, I'm, I, at this stage, Drew, I'm going to have to disagree with you. I'm not sure if I have the pulse on the program anymore. Um <laughs> That's a good way to <laughs> I was telling Thomas before you jumped on, I, I don't know if I've ever been wrong, more wrong about, you know, the, the mentality of a team and, and what my expectations were. Um, and, and look, I, I say all that with the, the fact that, and it was something that bothered me last night. I saw quite a few players, you know, as soon as the, you know, the, the final whistle blew, um, you know, just hauling ass to the locker room. You know, I mean, part of, you know, part of being a competitor and part of sportsmanship is, you know, whether you're the winner or the loser, man, you, you walk out there and you shake hands with a few people. I don't care if you do it to the whole team. I'm not looking for a, you know, a marching line like they used to do in high school where you had to, you know, high five the whole damn team. But, you know, that bothered me a little bit, especially with, you know, some of the players that, that, you know, that are still on that squad that, that were there when Sark was the, the OC in 2020. Uh, but, you know, you got to tip your hat off to him, man. I mean, that's that's two years in a row 
uh, that he's been able to, you know, put enough talent and, and you know, come up with an unbelievable scheme. Um, and, and, you know, re- revisionist history is the worst kind, but, you know, maybe everybody was right. Maybe if viewers doesn't get knocked out last year, um, we're, we're talking about the same thing last year. But um, I thought he called a really good game. Um, he's got better players than I thought he did. Um, you know, some really good defensive tackles, some really good edge rushers. Um, uh, thought the offensive line, uh, you know, did a great job of protecting Ewers last night. You know, I think they benefited from, uh, you know, us yeah. never rushing more than four people on a consistent basis, but man, it was just it's like I told Thomas Drew with, with, you know, a hundred percent transparency, you know, and maybe it was a push. Maybe I'm just being so selfish. I want to give Alabama the the win on the special team side of the chart. But I, you you could probably make a debate on the other side of that 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 was at least a push. But um, it just it was it was ugly. Um, you know, I I think that um, you know people are going to really start calling uh, into question the, the development of these players. Um, based off of what their talent level was rated on paper when they came into the program versus what they're, um, you know, producing now. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it is what it is. And I, and I think this is going to be a, you know, a rough soul searching week of practice, um, for quite a few people. Um, you know, you, you could, you know, talk about Milrose interceptions. You can talk about the offensive line giving up five sacks and nine tackles for losses. Um, I, did, I, I agree with y'all. I do think the receivers played a good game. Um, you know, really, you know, went high, went low um, to, to reel in some some inaccurate passes that were completions. Uh, but, man, it just, you know, and it, it was difficult to watch. In fact, I think this week I'm probably just going to turn my phone off. Because uh, yeah, when you when you've got guys like I do that you that you sweated and bled with for five years, just absolutely having a come apart, um, and, and you know it did get to be a little, you know, unsettling because you know most of them started calling for Milrow to get the hook in the second quarter, and I was like, look, guys, just settle down. You know, if, if it doesn't happen at halftime, um, you know, I bet he's going to get one drive in the third quarter, and if he doesn't make something happen. I mean, they got no chance of winning this game. You could tell um, that it was just like Texas A&M last year. Um, things were too fast for, for Milrow. Um, he couldn't digest them. Um, you know, again, and, and you could see that where he was so effective as a rusher, um, you know, against MTSU, um, you know, Texas had some guys that could, you know, catch him after five yards. Um, you know, the snapping, um, you know, I don't think I've ever seen a football game where the center got two illegal procedure penalties for, for doubles, for double pumping the damn ball before he snapped it. So, I mean, it, it was a team loss and, and, and certainly some of it falls on the coaching staff. Uh, I, I, you know, and again, you don't want to go too far deep into that because you don't know how hindered they are on the offensive side. Um, you know, with the quarterback that's maybe hit his ceiling. Um, but, you know, I, I, I didn't think that was Kevin Steele's best effort. 
um, you know, considering that Ewers always performs well when he's not pressured. Um, and so, you know, that, that was kind of my take. Um, you, you know, the, um, you know, I did think uh, there in the first half, you know, the offensive line did do a decent job of getting some push. They were, you know, picking up, mm-hmm. you know, rushes four and five yards a clip. But um, there, there's just, a, you know, a, a stench that, that you walk away from a game with like that. And, and, you know, somebody told me this a couple years ago, and I just chose to ignore it. Um, but, but, you know, it's really starting to look like this, this new, you know, type of player that we're getting in there. Um, you know, they, they come to Alabama for two reasons, um, a quick path to the NFL and, and NIL. Um, you, you don't see the pain that you see, you know, used to see from these kids when they, you know, get beat by double digits at home. Um, or will you lose a tight game on the road? Um, I don't know. I mean, I wished I had, you know, answers and solutions to all this, but I mean, it was, you know, and I think that, that, you know, for, for those of us that got to watch it on television versus, you know, in the stadium, you know, the, the look of frustration when Tommy Rees was up there yanking half of his hair out in the press box, you know, talking to number four on the phone, um, you know, it's it's almost like you could read his mind. I mean, because I've done as much as I can to, you know, do what I can with this guy, and my boss won't let me make a change. Um, so that that's kind of my take. Um, but but I do think that it's a concern that in year three of Steve Sarkeesian's program, um, you know, they got a better quarterback situation. Um, they're probably two guys better than Alabama at the wide receiver spot, but they're, they're much, they're much better on, on the, the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football. Um, you know, is that, uh, you know, Kyle flood being better than Eric Wolford, or is that Bo Davis being better than, um, Freddie Roach? I don't know, but, but it was noticeable last night. Well, I, I would agree with you hundred percent on Bo Davis being better than Freddie Roach. Um, I, I I just think right now defensively my biggest problem is with the outside linebackers and Coleman Hutzler who, um, you know, when a prominent for, former defensive line coach says he's, you know, basically uh, just, uh, you know, is just basically it, it just is I, I, I the best way to put it is he just can't coach a lick. I guess the best way for me to phrase it when he basically just says uh, that the guy is just just, you know, just a. I just, again, I just, when I, when I watched the outside linebackers play and, and when I watched them last night, they did a nice job against Middle Tennessee, but that's Middle Tennessee. Um, no question about it. I mean, I just, but when I watched last night, I mean, I, I remember Braz, Braswell getting up one or two pressures, but they were basically just non-existent. They had Quandarius Robinson in at, uh, at, you know, at, at, at the, uh, at the, the, in the rabbit package, but he didn't get any heat, and I and I was surprised, like you, William. I think they may have blitzed once or twice, but they didn't do it hardly at all. They depended on four and five man pressures, and they didn't get home. And if you leave a guy like Ewers, I'm still not sure how good Ewers is because 
Honestly, he's torched Alabama the times he's been on the field. But you talk to the Texas people, and he hasn't performed like that against anyone else. I do think he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. He's a good player, but I think I don't think Alabama had a great plan last night, like I think William basically mentioned. And I just don't see, you know, the production uh, from the outside linebacker room or the defensive line that you need. I mean, you need you got to win one-on-one battles. I saw John Marion Latham get a pressure once last night. He was about to get in the quarterback's face. But, of course, uh, Alabama, I think, misaligned, and they left Jatavian Sanders wide open, the tight end. I think he ended up gaining about 20 yards, getting a first down. I think it was a third and eight or something. So, again, you've got to be able to get to the QB. Like William said, you have to pressure him, make him think, make him hurry, make him think there's pressure when there's not. I mean, they just never got him out of rhythm for much of the game. And and then the, the secondary gave up the big plays, way too many explosives. But when you rush, when you can rush the passer and get heat, it helps the secondary out tremendously. And I, first of all, one of the positives of the game, I want to give Jeff Allen a shout out because he got Jalen Key and Malachi Moore ready to play. We still didn't see a lot of Jihad Campbell, but he got both those guys ready to play. Great job because I know that it, it took till Thursday to get them back out on the practice field. And then they dodged a bullet because Kool-Aid McKinstry sprained an ankle in pregame, but he shook it off. So I'll give the medical staff a ton of credit because that Texas team is good. I mean, they're better than I thought they were. They beat Alabama up on both lines of scrimmage. William brought up a great point. Kyle Flood was here, did a good job of the offensive line. We know how good Bo Davis is. But my biggest two you know, points of emphasis right now, as far as defensively, is outside linebackers, uh, you know, and and uh, in defensive line. Alabama has got to get better in both those areas. I still think there's tons of talent in the outside linebacker room, but Thomas, I'll let you chime in. I don't think it's being developed well at all. Well, one of the concerns coming out of last year <clears throat> was Freddie Roach. And yeah. one of the things that started to drift out, you know, call it February-ish, is that Hutzler was – Frankly, he's defrauding Alabama taxpayers if any of his salary is being paid through federal through state dollars because he's just not for whatever reason, and I don't want to speculate as to the particulars because I've never met the individual. He is not able to get players in positions to have success, and that is known and has been reported through multiple people that know more football than I do. Unfortunately, in both of those cases, Alabama is stuck with those two coaches until the end of the year. And if Alabama cannot circle the wagons, that's going to be one of the big reasons why. And that's a damn shame because the Alabama defense last night against the Texas Longhorns was put in terrible situations consistently. Like, Like consistently. And while I'm with you, William, in that I don't think it was the absolute best game that Kevin Steele has ever called, I don't know how you can get that frustrated with the unit when their job for the large portion of that evening is play hard constantly because you're going to be out there constantly. And they kept answering the bell. They really did. And I think there's some, I think that's one of the few positives you can take from this game. 
But, you know, talking about the offense, frankly, oh, what a difference a week makes. Everyone, you know, I know I was excited because I thought Jalen Milrow the light had come on after Middle Tennessee. He showed some things that I really liked, some things that I was really excited about. Now, is he ever going to be give me a five-read pattern, I'll go from one to two to three to four to five to back to one to take off? No. Jalen Milrow has as much chance as I do of being able to do that behind the Alabama offensive line. But if he can go one to two to run, that's a way to be pretty successful. But last night showed he's not able to do that. If you go back and watch the second interception he threw at the beginning of the fourth quarter, that might have been the single worst turnover that Alabama has had under Nick Saban. There was one ride receiver in the pattern. He stared him down the entire time. I'm not kidding when I say, had I been out there, I could have made that interception. And I am doggone sure not a 21-year-old safety that just could play center field. It was that bad. You watch it from behind the quarterback in Skycam, and there's no way to defend that throw. Like, there's nothing there. And the other, the really problematic thing, and this, you know, this is where the, where I you know, dovetail into talking about why the defense was put in so many bad situations is that wasn't the only mistake that Jalen Milrow made. The wheel route to Jace McClellan, uh, that was a touchdown if he puts six inches of air under it so that McClellan can run under it. The deep pass to, I believe, Isaiah Bond, if he throws that three yards deeper so Bond doesn't have to slow down, that's a touchdown. The leak play to Roydell Williams at the end of the half, if he puts that in the proper spot a little out in front of him so Roydell can get ahead of steam, that's a touchdown. He doesn't get the third down conversions that he got if not for some unbelievable plays. Like, when Isaiah Bond came down on his head, I'm like, Jesus Christ, Jalen Milrow just killed somebody. I literally said that to the people I was watching the game with because that looked nasty and that was unnecessary. So, when I say what a difference a week makes, to me, Drew, the quarterback competition is wide open. The point of Alabama every year is to compete for the national title. In order to compete for the national title, you have to at least make the SEC championship game. Milrow's not winning the SEC. I, I want him to. I don't want him to see Kirby Smart ever, ever, ever helping to coordinate a defense that he has to try and figure out. That sounds absolutely nightmarish to me. So it's time to experiment. Is Tyler Buckner the the guy who can at least complete a few passes and keep the offense on schedule? Because here's kind of the overarching theme, and then I'll kick it back to you. The Alabama football team this year, more than any year since Jalen Hurts has to play complementary football. The offense has to get a couple of first downs and let them, you know, at worst, punt the other team deep and keep the time of possession at least fairly even to leaning towards Alabama so the defense stays fresh and can play at a high level for 60, maybe 70 plays. Texas got to 75 last night, and we saw what happened there. But, you know, that's going to have to be this team's formula. And if Tyler Buckner's the guy that can do that and keep the offense efficient and able to move the ball a little bit, then let's try out Buckner. If he's not, 
Ty Simpson, even though apparently from what everyone's heard, Ty Simpson has one bad play and is just dead and buried for the next series. Terrible, unfortunate. I hope that's not right. But if both of those guys are not the answer, then I can't believe I'm saying this. I liked what I saw from Dylan Lonergan, and he justified the buzz from what I've seen, you know, what I've heard, excuse me, from the Red Elephant Club scrimmage. So is that the guy? The point is, it's time to experiment. Milrow can't take Alabama to the promised land, no matter how hard we try and wish upon a star that he can get there. That being the case, it behooves the coaching staff to go back to square one and figure this out. And I think that's kind of my big takeaways, Drew. Well, I'm going to go back to William. William talked about it being a soul-searching week of practice. William, I'll throw it to you. To me, I, I think Milrow will probably start the next game, but I think you have to give uh, other quarterbacks a look against this overmatched South Florida team. Uh, I think it's time to take a, a long look at Tyler Buckner. William, what is your take on it? Well, to me, and, and you know, listening to y'all's comments, it's it's become – you know, painfully obvious that that's the elephant in the room right now is the quarterback situation. Um, but, you know, in, in today's game of college football, you know, if you're the head coach at a Power 5 program and you don't like what you have or you don't know what you have at quarterback, that's on you. Also, if you're the head coach at a Power 5 program and you don't like what you have at quarterback, you know, this is the portal era go out and get you one or two you know it's 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 inexcusable to me for a program like Alabama to have this crisis unless there's been an injury you know outbreak um you know and 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 if the rumors were true um you know they they pursued Sam Hartman who's now at Notre Dame um you know they pursued Drake May and and the Van Dyke kid who absolutely lit Texas A&M up yesterday um now I don't necessarily begrudge Drake May or Van Dyke staying where they were and coming back, but it, it's a kind of a head scratcher that, you know, Sam Hartman chose to go to Notre Dame versus, you know, a team that he probably could have helped, you know, win a championship with, but you know, all of that, um, you know, there's, there's people questioning, you know, who's playing and starting on the offensive line. Now the old, you know, urban legend about Saban giving seniority to older players and favorability. Um, you know, I still do think that, um, you know, despite all the stuff last night, I'm sitting here looking at a picture um, of Darian Dalcourt just getting absolutely worked by uh, number 90 of Texas. He's their best D tackle. Mm-hmm. And so I still think that he's the weak link up front, but, you know, but but still, at the end of the day, I, I don't think that the staff has has really. Yes, they did do a good job of putting Milrow into a position where he could be successful against MTSU. But with, with just a slight up, not a slight uptick, a big uptick in competition. But he's still going to see, you know, other teams going down the road if he remains the starter. Um, I still think they could do a better job of putting him in a position to be successful. But if last night was the best he's capable of doing, and, and you know, I'm not going to fault the kid for if that's the case. Um, you know, I totally agree 
um, that, that it's time to, you know, look at other options. Um, but, but then there's also a part of me that's, you know, scared to death. If they're so convinced that, you know, Milrow is, is the clear cut starter over, you know, all the other names, um, you know, that's a little frightening in itself as well. And, you know, I, I don't think it would have really have mattered last night. I think Texas was just that good of an opponent. Um, could it have been a closer game? Uh, probably so, but, you know, Texas did a lot of damage, you know, elsewhere. Um, not, not just with, with the Alabama quarterback not performing up to the standard, but yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that, um, you know, there, there needs to be, you know, a, a first two series type of a deal. And then, you know, Joe shit, the Ragman comes in on the third series, whoever it ends up being. Um, because it's, they've still got a lot of good, um, you know, opponents coming up on the schedule. I mean, if, if this quarterback situation and, and some of the, you know, stupid penalties uh, that crept up again last night can't get, you know, rectified by week three, um, if people think, you know, last night at 10 o'clock and, you know, today at 3.37 p.m. Is, is a tough read on the Internet on Alabama football message boards, um, imagine what it's going to be like in two weeks if Pete Golding shuts us down. Oh goodness, well, I don't know that. Uh, that, 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 that <laughs> that's not a, that's not a fun week. thought to ponder, is it? No, that'd be probably the seventh week of my career if Wild Turkey uh, is able to to slow Alabama down enough for Ole Miss to get a win. But Thomas, going to throw it back to you for a counterpoint. So I, I do want to push back slightly on one thing you said, William. I think if Alabama like had a quarterback that particularly in the first half was able to at least get to 55% completion percentage. I think out that the game completely shifts and it is very alarming. And I do, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give one caveat. I'm not at practice and I'm not a football coach. I'm a data scientist. So there's a lot to this picture that I don't have, but if a quarterback is even like you take away one of the interceptions, particularly the first interception, because if you remember, that was really where Alabama was starting to move the ball, starting to do some good things because that was their first, uh, their first series really that, you know, go and go and go and stop. And I feel like that knocked the team for a loop, which is a whole other thing. But even beyond that, you know, Milrow's stats at halftime were just painful outside of that two-minute drive. And, you know, you give me a quarterback that can get to 55 60% passing in Reese's offense. And, again, I go back to what I said before. Complete the wheel route. That's a touchdown. The game shifts. And, you know, you complete the thing to Roy Dell at halftime. You know, going in 13-6 is different from going in 13-10 in the Magic 8, having scored a touchdown. I think that you look at this thing, and Drew, you said it, you know, Milra owned it, and good on him. He should. I really think if if Milro is the best option decisively, that is alarming for multiple reasons. But I don't really agree that he wasn't the main reason that Alabama was, you know, that Alabama, a different quarterback wouldn't have been 
wouldn't have done, been able to do some things. Like, I don't like Tyler Buckner. I really don't. I think he throws late a lot. But I also don't think he would get a wide receiver damn near his head knocked off with an, with an inaccurate pass. He would know where to go with the ball. He just couldn't rip the ball 50 yards on a rope all the time. But, you know, I, I, I just wanted to counterpoint slightly with that. But, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that this team has to figure out. And if we come back next Sunday and Jalen Milrow took all of the number one snaps for uh, for the whole game against USF, I'll put it to you this way, Drew. I have an ABC store right down from my house. I will be buying all the wild turkey there, and I will be drinking all of it because that will be the only way I will be able to take next week's recording. But I digress. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I go ahead, William. No, I was just going to say, Thomas, I didn't do a good enough job of clarifying my position on that. I just haven't seen enough of the other quarterbacks to say whether I think with a 100% degree of certainty that it would be any better. You know, the, the fact that there, there's been, you know, zero attempts to get them in, the other guys in yesterday and – not really much more to get them in versus lesser competition against MTSU. You know, I just haven't seen enough of it to go, well, you know, I think this guy's the guy. You know, uh, 45 days ago, I would have told you that I thought Ty Simpson was going to be the starting quarterback, just like I've thought since the day Bryce Young, um, you know, left campus. And for whatever reason, I, I, you know, I've been told that he's, you know, got what I call the Mac Jones uh, virus. Uh, up until probably the latter stages of 2019, and, and you described it to a T, um, you know, I've been told that when he does, you know, make a, a critical mistake, you know, he goes into a shell for a while. Um, so, I, again, they, they got, they've just got a lot of stuff from what, from what I saw last night that, you know, they need to get cleaned up. You know, if you're a, you know, a starter, and, and you know, it's very frustrating to watch. I don't know where the blame I don't know if you and Drew noticed this or not, but like Amos and Key, the two transfers, they'll turn their head around and look for the ball. Now, I can't ask anybody to do a better job of running stride for stride with the guy that they're trying to cover than Terry on Arnold does. But he will not turn and look for the ball. And, uh, and, and you damn sure can't commit three critical – uh, you know, drive extending penalties like he did last night. So, I mean, it's it's not – granted, I do think that the elephant in the room is the quarterback situation, but there's there's plenty of other areas that could get better at other positions as well. Oh, I don't disagree with that at all, William. As I said, I, outside linebacker, defensive line, that may not be, be able to be fortified until the offseason. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, I think with outside linebackers, you know, as, as the prominent former defensive line coach said, you know, Coleman Hustler, it's the term that uh, I've been so frustrated that it finally occurred to me. He said he was a waste of oxygen. And I, Hutzler, I think, can recruit, but he can't coach. Because, I mean, I just remember as a freshman, Dallas Turner was all over the place. Will Anderson was. We haven't seen that kind of production and pass rush and disruption since Sal left. Uh, we haven't seen defensive line development since 2017. Uh, and been really uh, big time recruiting in defensive line development since Bo Davis was here uh, his last time. I mean, that, that's a fact. Uh, and it's finally catching up to Alabama. Now, it took a while, but it's finally caught up, and William kind of referenced that. So 
defensive line, outside linebacker, but then a quarterback position. I still say 90% of the problems is quarterback driven. There is problems with the offensive line. I mean, the snaps have got to get rectified. McLaughlin had two illegal snaps. And then, you know, he had some some low ones. But and I, but I will say this in his defense, the one that led to the uh, broken play touchdown from Nye Black, I think from 39 yards, that one was just dropped by Milrow. But he he showed boys, picked it up, and then he I, the defense from, from Texas kind of froze. So I think they thought it might be a dead ball, might be a penalty, and Nye Black got loose. So, but again, I just think overall, if you if you get the quarterback position straightened out and get some stability there where they can distribute the football, keep the offense on schedule, like Thomas said, it will help the outside or excuse me, the offensive line out tremendously. But I, I, I will say, William, I've always liked Seth McLaughlin. I've been surprised these first two weeks at all the snap difficulties. Yeah, um, you know, I, I think he had some um early last season he didn't dribble them back there but they were off target to Bryce like you know yeah one of them might have you know been aimed at his right the outside of his right shoulder pad or vice versa but but as far as these you know double clutching snaps and dribbling them back there I don't remember at least um that being an issue to this extent last year but you know they're still early enough in the season and and I think you know they they get enough you know, reps um, where they could, you know, look at this stuff. Um, you know, I still go back to being being convinced. And, and you know, I even uh, made this comment to somebody that, that actually sees it, um, you know, a couple times a month at practice. And I was like, well, you know, we're going to do the, the, the annual or, or, you know, every couple years migration, J.C. Latham is – you know, going to slide over to left tackle. He's going to, you know, make more money playing that position um, for, for his draft status. And the guy was like, absolutely not. They're leaving him at right tackle. And, you know, it's either going to be Pritchett or Caden Proctor. And I said, well, you know, if Pritchett wins the job, I get it because he's built like a left tackle. Um, you know, Caden Proctor is not built like a left tackle. But anyway, I digress. Um it's 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 just frustrating you know it's it's to me i'm almost to the point to where somebody in the media would ask this question you know coach we we sign all these great recruits on an annual basis and you know are, are we missing on you know the mental aspect of this of, of guys that come out of high school and thrive in the program and and, and want to become dogs or do we not have the co position coaches that know how to push them and, and teach them how to compete and, and, you know, kind of develop them into being dogs um, that, that, that I would like to hear Nick Saban's response to that. Well, I would, I would, that's a very interesting question. I would go toward the assistant coaches and a couple of them I just kind of mentioned in Hutzler and in, in Roach, but I, I think there's some, question there i still think wolford has the o-line on a on a uh a path where they're going to be good um i saw some of it at the beginning of the game last night they were getting pushed i mean by the middle of the second quarter i think they almost had 100 yards rushing but they just couldn't sustain it because they couldn't you know pass the football if you can't throw the football what bo davis's d-line did they just kept chopping wood and you know they kept coming and alabama couldn't throw the football and they just eventually suffocated and Boa constricted the running game. 
You know, it just wasn't going to be there. And I think, William, you and Thomas both talked about it. They did a great job of keeping Milrow contained. They only let him go 20 yards one time. Usually, if he would get around the edge, he'd get five yards, but somebody would tackle him. They'd run him down. And that just goes to show you the mobility helps, but you can't, you know, win the game just with the QB running and trying to pound the football. You've got to be able to to complement it. It also helps the offensive line. And I think the biggest things I have a problem with with Milrow, I think he's a great kid. Uh, I think he, I think he's a, a smart kid, you know, from a common sense standpoint. He says the right things. He and all those guys owned it in the locker room, Latham, all those guys at Boigby. But I think the biggest thing is it's accuracy, decision-making, rhythm. That's what the, the – and in pocket presence. Knowing when – I told a, a media member in the press box last night, Milrose at his best when he steps up in the pocket. You have to respect it and see if he's going to take off, but then he steps forward and makes a throw. If he stands stationary or either – it almost seems like he almost retreats. He almost retreats into sacks, and when he stands stationary to try to throw the ball, the ball sails, and he's just not accurate. And uh, he, he's never really going to be an accurate guy. He has capability to make a big-time throw like he did to Burton, uh, you know, and, uh, and he, he'll, make a, he'll make a few like that. And it'll tantalize you, and it did Saban last night because Saban was getting ready to pull him out. I, he, he admitted it in the press conference. But once he made that throw, he's like, man, look what this kid can do. He's got confidence, and they try to continue to roll with him. But he's just never going to, you know, be able to win you an SEC championship. At Alabama, you're not an eight and four program with Nick Saban as head coach. I would think you would drive him bananas. You're trying to win every game and contend for an SEC championship. You haven't played an SEC game yet. To me, you got to give some other guys a look at quarterback because you've got still enough talent on this team and enough tools to be used to be good. And I think Coach Steele, the the uh, in the defensive coaches, I don't have a lot of confidence in Hutzler and Roach, but I still think they can tweak some things to get some pressures improve the defense to help the secondary and disrupt, force some turnovers because you still got some guys getting used to their, you know, like the keys of the world. They're still, and even Trey Amos, they're trying to get used to playing with their new, uh, you know, supporting cast. But but offensively at the quarterback position, you've got to help out the offensive line. This is still a talented running back room just because they have one game where, you know, they only have maybe a good quarter and a half. This is a running back room that can help. Eventually, I think Jam and Justice will help as well. But that you get help by complimentary football with the quarterback position. And to me, you have to be able to throw the ball in time accurately. And, and you know, when it was during your era as, as at Alabama, I mean, we all know Gary Hollingsworth couldn't throw a ball over 25 yards. We all know he probably couldn't run a 40 and six flat. But what he could do is throw the ball accurately, anticipate, throw it, you know, when he had to, that 25, 30 yards down the field, timing patterns, this and that. The dude became, he went from like third, fourth string quarterback to SEC player of the year because he had a really good play call or an OC. I still think Reeves is a good offensive coordinator. And they had a great plan and they had a great offense. You can still have a great offense if you, if you, if you, if you, you know, kind of build it around your QB if he can throw the football. But regardless, no matter what offensive scheme you run, you have to be able to throw it. Gary certainly could. Uh, He became a really good player. And I think they can build an offense around a Tyler Buckner or a Ty Simpson. I don't know if Ty will mature enough this year. But I certainly think Buckner's experience helps. I've watched him in practices take, take, you know, backups 98 yards for a touchdown. 
I don't know if he's the answer, but I sure as hell know this. He deserves a shot because Milrow has been given one, and I just don't think he's ever going to get this football team where it needs to be. And that's, uh, you know, the SEC championship game. I think if you go with him the rest of the year, there's going to be turnovers. There's probably going to be a four-loss season. And well, I and, just, and Drew, I just don't, yeah, let me let me let me jump in real quick. I, I'm not. I apologize for cutting you off. Jalen Milrow is responsible for two of the worst quarterback performances of the Nick Saban era. He in his three starts. Right. Yeah. In his three starts, two of his three starts, Thomas. You're right. He's had three in his career, all at home, and in two of those starts, A and M and Texas, he has six turnovers. That's utterly mind-blowing well, to it, me. Go ahead, William. I'm sorry. Well, no, I was, I was just going to say, because Drew's making me hit the rewind button. First of all, Alabama fans in 1989 really, really got uh, the short end of the stick when uh, Jeff Dunn blew his knee out. Yeah. Because what he was able to do with Homer Smith's West Coast offense, you know, you, you, you do, he did have a big arm, um, and he could run. And he was a big dude. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that's just something that Gary didn't have. But what, what actually what will always make me think that Homer is gonna needs to be in the conversation with Sark and, and Lane um, as, as some of the best OCs in program history. If you go back and you look at what he was able to do once Gary took over, and let me tell you something, there wasn't anybody left after Gary besides a walk-on transfer that vanished in the middle of the season named Codus to Coyote Nunley and then oh, a walk-on yeah. named and, and a walk-on named Scott Edder. And, and Jalen Milrow has a better, more talented core wide receiver group than, than Gary did. You know, mm-hmm. Gary did his damage with Kevin Turner, the fullback with Lamon Russell, the tight end, and with either Saran Stacy or another tailback out of the backfield, there wasn't a lot of, uh, you know, elite plays by the wide receivers in 1989. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I think that, that, you know, there's, uh, and, and you know, that, that's kind of what I was hinting at when, when we were talking earlier about, you know, I thought Tommy Reese was supposed to be a, you know, a tight end whisperer. Um, Nye Black is a better overall athlete than Lamont Russell was. You know, I'd like to see him get some more targets. You, you, you saw how often uh, that monster got targeted number zero for, uh, I think his last name's Sanders, maybe. Yeah. Um, for Texas last night. You know, some, some, some really creative stuff there. But I'm like, y'all, I mean, I don't think this is the end of the world. Um, you know, it, it can certainly, the course can certainly be changed. But it, it's, it's going to have to happen sooner rather than later. It is, no doubt. Uh, you're going to have to do something. Because um, Alabama, no matter who they start at quarterback, they're going to beat this overmatched South Florida team. But Lane Kiffin and, and Ole Miss are going to come in here and very likely be undefeated. High-scoring offense. Uh, you know, a lot of talent. Pete Golding with a chip on his shoulder, certainly going to want to prove some things. And so uh, there's no question in my mind uh, that that's what's going to have to happen, man. You're going to have to see – uh, you know, uh, some improvement. And I just think regardless of whether Milrow struggles early against South Florida and gets replaced or he plays well and the team gets off to a good start, I still think you're going to see at least Buckner in the game. I think you need to. And so um, I just really think 
you know, that they, they've got to take a look at some other guys because Thomas kind of referenced it because there's a lot of football to be played, uh, but you need to get this offense fixed. I totally agree with you, William, about 89. I think uh, the receivers, uh, you know, in, on this team are better. I thought they did some good things last night. I know some people are still down on them, but I still think, you know, they've made some plays. They'd make even more if they had a quarterback that could read a little better and they could get them the ball on time. And that's going to be a, the big key to this drill is how this team responds. I mean, this is a different era. This is NIL era. There's already a video out there on social media of Nye Black bragging about his mentions and his uh, views and all this stuff and not really being worried about losing. It doesn't look like. But that's just the kind of player that we have today. Uh, it is the era we have when you have NIL, when you have the social media aspect and the transfer portal. So you have to learn how to manage it. Nick Saban's always known how to manage people. I think he's made some mistakes in his staff. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But I think he's also made some moves that could work still down the road. And as far as the Eric Wolford, the Tommy Reese's, the Steels, the Ballas, he's going to have to overcome a couple of deficiencies, though. He's overcome some things in the past. And, you know, we've always talked about, well, 21 could have been his best coaching job. Well, you know, and, and, and I know in 20, dealing with COVID was a great coaching job. This is going to have to be another great coaching job. He's got some very difficult decisions to make. Uh, I think he understands that. He almost made one last night. And I listened to him intently in press conferences. And I don't think, uh, without any doubt, that he's sold on Milrow yet. He hadn't been the whole time. And certainly uh, with, Ree, with uh, Reese bringing in Buckner and Buckner showing improvement, I think he's going to get a shot. Now, he may not be the answer. Uh, we don't know. I mean, there's a, if not, then maybe Ty Simpson gets a shot. If the, And I will say this. I think Thomas and I have said it. If you get to Lonergan, that probably means the season has really gone awry. But at least you get a chance to take a look at a kid that's talented, that has some big-time arm talent. So there are options out there that are going to get a look. But I still think the season can be salvaged if you make a couple of adjustments the way you're calling defenses. And, of course, uh, if you make a quarterback change and if Tyler Butner can manage this football team. I know he turned the ball over some at Notre Dame, had some bad luck, but they played Ohio State really tough last year in the shoe, and he played in that game. And so I think the kid's been, you know, in some difficult environments. He's certainly an experienced guy, and I think, you know, they need his calm hand right now because I think Milrose trying to lead. He's trying to do things the right way, but it's a production business. And when you don't produce – it's like the NFL, and that's what college football has become with NIL. If you don't produce, man, on to the next one because we've got to win. Nick Saban's expected to win, and I don't think Coach is on his last legs, hopefully. I think he's a, he's a competitor. He certainly wants to continue to have a program you know, winning at the highest level, and the way you have to do that sometimes, and hopefully he learned from it in the Jalen Tua situation, is you got to make a decision. Now, this one's probably going to come very, you know, a lot earlier because, remember, in 17, Alabama didn't lose to the Iron Bowl. So he, ha he, was, he was showing faith in Jalen. Well, Milrow just basically lost the, the game against Texas. A good Texas team now, a quality opponent, no doubt about that. But you've got a lot of other quality opponents coming up. And you have to think to yourself, guys, and, and I'll throw it back to you, Thomas. You have to think, can you score enough points? Do you think you can score enough points with Jalen Milrow at quarterback especially when you, you're not sure your defense is dominant. This isn't 2011, because I was thinking about this. I had a, a, a good friend of mine in the media tell me he was at the 2011 LSU game. I wasn't in the media at that time. 
he said the atmosphere and all the people in Tuscaloosa, it was, a, it was very similar that day than it was yesterday. But it's the same thing. We were both talking, though. Think how much football has changed since that time. That was an overtime game with no touchdowns dominated by defense. Now, in just a little over 10 years, the game's dominated by offense. If you can't score 30-plus points, man, you can't win. And you got Ole Miss to play. You got Tennessee. Uh, you got even got Auburn. I know they were ugly yesterday, but they found a way to beat Cal. You know they're going to get better offensively by the time you see them. Uh, you're going to see Mississippi State that's got a veteran quarterback. You're going to see some teams that can score points. And so you have to be able to score as well. And so Alabama has got to make a decision on this quarterback, and they've got to give some guys another opportunity, in my opinion, because, again, Jalen Miller, a great kid, but I just don't think you're ever going to be able to be confident going into a game, guys, against a high-level opponent that Jalen Milrow is going to score enough points to win and help you, uh, you know, ultimately uh, uh, compete for an SEC championship and a Western Division title. I just don't see it with the guy at quarterback. Well, well Drew, let, let me jump in real quick. I think you're right. Um, I think against high-level competition, Jalen Milrow will really, really struggle because the, the game the, – the, the secret's out. On Jalen Milrow, play single high safety, play zone, and he'll throw the ball to you. Like that—that—that's really it. That—that's it right there. I, congratulations, I've shut down Jalen Milrow nine times out of ten. And you're talking about this football team. There are a lot of new pieces on at Alabama this year. You know, we knew it going in, and that's why Nick Saban wanted to go kind of dominate the line of scrimmage, ground and pound. Honestly, to me, the most jarring thing from yesterday. Alabama got their butts kicked on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. It was brutal. I was like, this is the first time in probably almost two decades I can remember that happening. Okay, not fun. But kind of sidebar. The thing is, with so many new pieces, you got to have steady Eddie somewhere. And I think the linebacker crew, particularly the, the Mike and the Will, have been wonderful. I think the back end of the defense has been just a, a supreme strength. Did they always do all the things they needed to do last night? Absolutely not. So, you know, you're starting to get a few steady eddies here. But that needs to keep building. And in that way, Drew, what I want to see from this USF game is you're absolutely right. You know, I, I'll be honest. I didn't look at the line. I don't really care. Alabama's going to win over USF. If, if, if it's a game going into the third quarter um, – if you see a thermonuclear mushroom cloud from Mobile, Alabama direction, that's me. That's me. It's no one else. Me. Because I have exploded. Um, anyway, all joking aside, what I want to see against USF is a game plan where essentially screw riding the hot hand. That's nonsense. The film is out there. The issues are out there. And the assumptions are... How are you going to change? How are you going to change things to fix those issues? We've we've said based on what we've seen, which is an incomplete picture, that the quarterback is a big issue. With that, Milrow, take two series. You got two touchdowns. Great. What did it look like? Did you throw a bomb? That's one thing. Where you were able to keep the offense efficient? That's quite another. Tyler Buckner, you get two series. Oh, what do you do? Treat it like a scrimmage because if in case of emergency, break glass. Alabama is so much better that they can hand the ball off 50 times and beat this team. Because, you know, again, we're going to talk about it next Sunday, but that Ole Miss team, they, 
even without Pratt, the two-lane quarterback, they came back against that team and then proceeded towards the end of that game to beat the snot out of them. That two-lane team is really, really good. There's a non-zero chance they're a group of five representative for the B- for the BCS Jesus for the non-playoff bowls, whatever the hell they're called now. I'm, I'm, I'm it's it's flown out of my head. Um, so you know that's who Ole Miss just obliterated towards the end of that game. That's a pretty good football team, and whatever we saw last night. If that shows up against Ole Miss, yeah, Alabama's going to lose. Let's let's just let's let's call a spade a spade. Alabama loses that game if what happened last night happens again. And to me, as a longtime Alabama fan, as somebody who watches the game, blah 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 blah, that's not acceptable. So you know, start taking stabs at it. And if you know, you you will see me explode if. Jalen Milrow rolls out all game against USF because at that point it's going to be tough to ride with that one, gentlemen. But what do you think, Drew? Well, I mean, it's just hard to watch, man. It became hard to watch Jalen Hurts at quarterback because the offense was limited and he was a better player that at least took care of the football and didn't turn it over and could throw short and intermediate passes. He just struggled with the long game for Alabama. Uh, But Milrow's even more infuriating because he is a, a great athlete and can run, but he just cannot throw the ball accurately. And he'll he'll tantalize you ripping a fifty yard throw, but then he can't throw a five yard screen. You know he he can't you know hit a hit, hit a uh, a wheel route like those wheel routes. Jalen used to hit those. I mean, you've got to be able to make plays in the passing game. And I just I'm like we it piggybacks off something William said earlier, and I'll let him you know talk about it again, but with Reeves being a quarterback whisperer. Now, they've already got Nye Black in the end zone a couple times, but you see Nye Black's potential. But we haven't seen anything except maybe a six-yard catch out of C.J. Dupree. I think C.J. Dupree can be a dog. I think he can be a good player. We haven't seen him utilized. One thing, William, that I was – I know he dropped one, but that I was disappointed that Alabama didn't use. And Sark did it brilliantly, I thought, early in the game to get Ewers into a rhythm. I, I didn't like the fact that Alabama didn't try to get the running backs the ball in space throwing the football. I didn't really like that. But, of course, the thing, it goes back to Milrow not being consistent, not making the right reads, and even struggling with the short passing game. I still think a guy like Buckner can get you in rhythm. He may not be able to stretch the defense at times, but he can make plays with his feet. He can keep throws alive, plays alive, pardon me. He has a better pocket presence, and he can deliver the ball on time, short and intermediate. And then that might set up maybe a 30-yard downfield throw where you can make a play. I just think overall, William, that you need a different voice in the huddle. You need somebody with a different skill set. And maybe, you know, you need a bigger field of vision than Milrow gives you because I think it just restricts your offense. And then you know how it is, William. It puts a lot of pressure on your defense. And they didn't pressure uh, as far as disrupt last night. They didn't force any turnovers. They were on the field a lot. They had a decent third quarter where they finally slowed Texas down. But, again, they need some help, too. They need you to possess the ball. They need you to score points. Because if you can't score, even even if you score in the mid-20s now, I I remember your old coach, Gene Stallings, we were talking about it last night. Lord, how the game has changed. He used to talk about, I need 17 points and 175 yards passing. Shit, that's a quarter now. I mean, it's totally different. 
And so you've got to be able to score. You've got to be able to sustain drives. You've got to be able to spread the football around because, one, it makes you a lot more potent offensively. you got to score points to win. And, William, you know yourself in this NIL recruiting era, you've got to be able to get different people the football or that portal is going to be full, man. Yeah, no, it's, it, I was thinking about that, you know, last night. Um, that could, could possibly be an issue after the season. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't, you know, it, it's kind of like the, the you know, what, what would you prefer to see? I mean, yeah, there, there's times that, that Jalen Milrow is a real, real pretty shiny toy. And, you know, he, he can – you know, throw two or three bombs for touchdowns, um, you know, every week, I think. Um, you know, he, he had several nice ones last night. But, you know, you also have to be able to move the chains on third down. Um, you know, you have to make good decisions. you got to protect the ball. And, you know, at this stage in the game, um, I, I, I would rather – and, again, I think Jalen Milrow is an outstanding young man. Um, I think he's a high character kid. Um, but, you know, like right now, I think it's almost like asking him to continue, you know, at quarterback is, is, is you know, was like asking Chris Owens to play right tackle two years ago. Um, right. You know, sometimes you, sometimes you just get to a point as, as an athlete where, you know, you've gone as far as you can. And, and it, at least at that particular position. Um, and so, I, you know, I think we're at that point now with him and, you know, maybe with, you know, Buckner's experience, um, you know, running, um, you know, Reese's offense at Notre Dame, um, you know, maybe that's what you would see if, if he was given the opportunity is, you know, getting the running backs, um, you know, involved in the passing game with screens and swing passes or I can't remember the last time I saw a well-executed you know, skinny post or, or a slant with the running back running up the middle. Um, and it, that, that's a very difficult play for a linebacker or a safety to have to defend. But, you know, something has to change. Um, and, and I think that, you know, certainly the quarterback is the, the, the biggest issue right now. But, you know, there again, um, you know, if you go and you look at the, the stat line, um, you know, the outside linebackers, it's yeah. a lot more like last year than it was MTSU. Um, you know, Dallas Turner didn't have a st statistically great night. You know, Chris Braswell didn't have a statistically great night. So um, that, that to me is there's, – there's stuff to address um, and, and improve on, you know, all over the field. Um, you know, I think the wide receivers have gotten better. I don't think there's anything wrong with, the, um, you know, the running backs. And uh, I agree with Thomas, you know, the worst – I forget about the interception. I, I think the worst pass that I saw last night was, this, was the wheel route to McClellan. Um, it, you know, it, it, you could probably flip a coin. But, you know – That's a touchdown. You know, that is a touchdown yes. if he put six oh, inches there under wasn't, I, Yeah, there, there wasn't anybody that was going to come close to tackling. You know, well-designed, you know, good – you know – you know, caught Texas off guard, um, you know, with the, with the play. And, um, you know, it's just unfortunate that it, that it didn't work out, but, um, let's see. Yeah. Dallas Turner had three tackles. 
Chris Braswell had two tackles. Um, Quindarius Robinson had one tackles. You know, there, there's a common theme there. They're all outside linebacker edge guys. Um, so, you know, it, it is it is what it is at this point. I, you know, there's not going to be any coaching changes made in the middle of September. But um, I, I, I wonder – and I do think that this has played a big part in Nick Saban's decision is the locker room wanted Milrow to be the quarterback. Um, you know, it, 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 it might've caused problems. Maybe there wasn't enough, you know, separation between, you know, Buckner coming in, um, you know, in the summer. Um, but I wonder what that tone would be after last night. Um, well, you know, if, if William, I'm, let me ask you a question about that as a former player. You know, okay. film don't lie. Like, film don't lie. There are so many angles of what we saw last night, and we've been talking about it. How does a player react to that having now seen it? Like, I, I just – I have no grasp of that. Can you kind of illuminate that a little bit? Well, you know, there, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, uh, you, you could take away as a player from, you know, a lot of different performances last night, you know, taking Milrow out of the equation, um, you know, show me some counter moves, uh, you know, a spin back inside, um, you know, the, the last night from what I could tell, I haven't watched the replay yet, but it was almost like the, the mush rush was back in effect last night. And I don't think you really need the mush rush for Quinn Evers, Evers, whatever his name is. Um, you know, it's almost like when, when the edge guys couldn't beat the Texas offensive tackles with a speed rush, they just said the hell with it. Um, you know, so, you know, that's something, um, you know, any good elite pass rusher at the SEC level or beyond is, is going to be taught and, and have a, a, a counter move skill set. And, you know, one of the, especially when an offensive tackle has watched that film um, all week long and sees how dangerous you are, you know, God, I got to, you know, set to set back is going to be my first priority because I don't want this guy getting to beat me to the outside. Um, and, and but there's a lot of times if you can get that offensive lineman's weight on his, on his outside leg, if you go back inside, that guy's going to sit there and grab air. Um, so, you know, same thing can be said for the interior defensive line. Um, so, you know, I see, you know, I, I think the coaching staff can do a better job coaching. I think the coordinators can do a better job of coming up with ways to put their players into positions to be more successful. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not ready to pack this in and, and say, you know, we're, we're done or anything like that, but, you know, I think last night was a very eye-opening experience for, for any Alabama fan. Oh, yeah, it was so bring on both sides of the ball. The only, uh, you know, phase I thought, I thought the kicking game was really good. Will Reichert, maybe the best kicker in the country. But as my program director, Steve Moulton, and I joked on the Bama recap on 97.7 Zone at 11 a.m. this morning, our call-in show, when you're, when you're saying the bright spot for the, the football game, is the place kicker is the player of the game, and you didn't win the game, then you know you're in trouble uh, because he didn't uh, make a last-second kick to win it or something to that effect, and you're talking about the punter doing a nice job. Well, 
defend, that means very, very likely uh, that you uh, you didn't perform well offensively and defensively, and Alabama didn't. Uh, I'm going to be really anxious to see how this team responds. I'm going to be anxious to see what happens at the quarterback position. Uh, I'm not really going to predict a score. I just know Alabama's going to win. And I, I'll say this, I think they cover against uh, South Florida, but I'm anxious to see what, what, you know, what the quarterback position looks like, who plays, what the offense uh, does from a production standpoint, you know, what happens at center as far as the snaps and, the, and just how the offense performs at a whole as a whole. And then defensively, do they get pressure? Do they blitz a little more? You know, how are they tackling? I still thought they were running to the ball last night. They just didn't, you know, get enough pressure. They've got to get pressure on the QB, force turnovers. We'll see if they do that. And, uh, and that, and that's what I'm looking for. I just want to see how this team reacts completely. And, uh, and uh, uh, Thomas, I'll let you have your closing comments, and then William, and then we can close this show down. There's been a lot of great discussion. But to me, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for production from the areas I've been concerned about, defensive line, outside backer. And then, of course, the quarterback and the offensive line are, are, are you know, really tied at the hip. I just want to see how the offense looks and who's behind center uh, in the game against South Florida, and are they going to give Tyler Buckner a shot? So, Drew, I, I went and looked up the line. Uh, Alabama opened as a five-touchdown favorite. It's down to 31 points. So the whole, uh, the whole thing, you know, Alabama's going to win this game. Over under, as I said, line's currently at 31. Over under is 59 and a half. So Alabama's expected to win by, you know, a significant margin. I agree with you. Alabama's going to win this game. Um, I also wouldn't be surprised if Alabama covers. Because, you know, the, the reason I asked William the question I asked him about film is players know. Like, players know who can get them to where they need to get. At least, I like to believe that. Lord knows in my professional world, I know who's going to screw me, and I know who's going to not be able to do the things I need them to do that I need to have, the success that I need to have. So, what does it look like? And with that, suddenly competition's wide open at multiple spots. So, you know, game on, boys. Go fight win. What am I looking for? I'm like you, Drew. You know, what, what does the coaching staff choose to do? If we only see Milrow through the first half, I'm not going to say Alabama's mailed the season in, but I don't have faith that Alabama's going to make the SEC title game. I really don't. Um, and I think the SEC West is as weak as it's been in the past few years. So, you know, what does that look like? Is, is Alabama really, again, I go back to what I said before, on top of the quarterback thing, what does the line of scrimmage look like? We were told all offseason, and we saw it to a certain extent, and good Lord, if ESPN talks about this one more time, I think I'm going to jump off a bridge, that Alabama's offensive line would be able to dominate the line of scrimmage, and Alabama's defensive line would play so physical that, you know, blah, 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 partridge, pear tree. What does the line of scrimmage look like? How dominant is it? You know, if we come out of that game, and I look at the, the score, the, you know, the box score, such as it is, and... Alabama's looking at, you know, six, seven yards of pop, or even more importantly, if it's down in the fives, how many negative plays, how many tackles for loss, how many no gainers. That's the kind of stuff that really matters to me. So what am I looking for? Quarterback rotation. 
I'm sorry. Well, we've, we've talked about it ad nauseum. I don't need to talk about it anymore. And if the team wants to dominate the line of scrimmage, stop telling me about how you want to do it. Stop talking and accepting blame for not doing it. Shut up and go do it. it it's that simple. Shut up and go do it. If, you know, there, there are two ways this game could end up, and we're going to talk about the game next Sunday on BAMS Radio. The offensive line and the defensive line is able to just wreck the line of scrimmage and the Alabama covers, blah, 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 blah. I'll feel pretty okay about Ole Miss, even though Ole Miss is a completely different animal than South Florida. But if it's kind of farting around, oh, the offensive line didn't look dominant, the defensive line let stuff happen, blah, 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 blah. Completely different ball, you know, ball of wax. For me, we'll see. At this point, I was so jarred by the inability to do anything on the line of scrimmage against Texas that I'm in show-me mode. Don't talk. Shut up. Don't tell me about your anxiety. Don't tell me about all that crap. I don't, I don't need I don't. to hear that from you. Go do it. And go do it quietly. Because I'm not going to pat you on the head for doing what you told me you were going to do after you failed to do it the last time. But Alabama wins. Alabama covers. Please rotate the quarterbacks. Let's see what's going on. If that happens, I'll be fairly happy as a podcast person. Well, William, uh, as we uh, close it out, what are you? Uh, what is your main things you're going to be watching for as Alabama travels to Tampa as we see how they react to uh, this uh, loss early in the season? Well, I'll tell you what I don't want to see next Saturday is a repeat of my performance at halftime last night uh, being so desperate for something positive to latch on to, I literally yelled, hell yeah, out loud and gave a fist pump that Burnup had averaged 53 yards a punt in the first half. That, that, <laughs> that excited me. That, that wow. excited me. Um, but, you know, just the same things you guys are. I mean, I just – the number one thing is to, to, you know, go back to what you saw against MTSU and eliminate the mental errors, like jumping off sides on the final play of the game um, and double-clutching snaps at center. Eliminate the things that's going to get you beat before the ball's even snapped. That that's, was a big problem, you know, for Alabama and their two losses last year. Um, you know, to, to just move the chains on third down, to, you know, get some stops, get some pressures, affect the quarterback, I'm, I'm about to give up on sacks at this point. I'll just take the old, you know, affect them and um, pressure. Um, but, you know, the, the defense getting off field and getting stops, um, you know, I, I don't think this team is incapable of that. Um, you know, I, I was, you know, watching the game with family last night, and, you know, they were like, what, what's going on? You were so excited, um, you know, about this massive offensive line. I said, well, I've changed my mind. I've got three of them that need to get on clembuterol tomorrow and shed 30 pounds by October 1st. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's nothing drastic. It's just, to me, the, the last three seasons, well, the last two and then the first two games of this one, have just been so out of character, you know, for a Nick Saban coached football team. You know, the, the pre-snap penalties. Um, you know, bad mistakes um, at, at inopportune times. Um, you know, that's what I want to see. The things that you can eliminate as a player 
that, that'll put yourself in there to be successful. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it was obvious last night, you know, the first quarter went once Alabama, um, you know, started getting some five, five yard pops rushing the football. Um, you, you saw that umbrella, you know, get tightened around, tightened down. And, you know, they started having less and less success. They'd be behind the chains. You know, that, that certainly, uh, you know, with that starting lineup last night, you know, uh, against a good front seven on defense, you know, third and seven plus was not a recipe for success. Hell, it's not a recipe for success with most teams. Um, you know, even as conservative as Coach Stallings was, you know, he wanted to average four to six yards of a play on first down. Uh, you know, that way you're ahead of the chains on second and third. Um, so, you know, that's really what I'm looking for, Drew, is, is you know, more of a disciplined per, a performance um, like we saw in game one versus last night. And I, and I guess the part that, you know, really, you know, cranks my chain more than anything was if that had happened at Austin last night, it would be easier for me to digest versus being at home at Bryant-Denny. Um, you know, you typically don't see the opposing team have less stupid penalties, um, you know, than the home team in a situation like that, especially in that kind of environment. Yeah, I was just saying, I mean, again, we appreciate everybody for joining us. Uh, and it's been a very lively discussion. I think a very entertaining and, and good show. Hopefully next week's show will be in a much better mood and, uh, uh, and we'll have adjustments defensively. Hopefully, pressure. Uh, you know, once again, I thought they were aggressive and attacked against, you know, Middle Tennessee. I thought they did at times against Texas, but they just weren't productive enough, did not get to the quarterback. Hopefully, we'll have a much more, uh, you know, positive outlook after watching them against an overmatched opponent, though. And it'll be another full have Ole Miss looming at home coming up. Uh, but hopefully, we'll see better production out of the defensive side of the ball, some turnovers, fours, uh, negative plays created. And then offensively, it's going to be all about, you know, the quarterback. You know, how does Mill Rowe perform? Uh, do they give Tyler Buckner a shot? What kind of production do we see? Do, you know, does the offensive line, do they fix the snap issues? Uh, do they, you know, dominate the line? of It's going to be a very interesting show as well. And hopefully we'll be discussing a big tide win. But again, uh, they're, uh, they got today's show. So uh, I'm going to take us out of here. Sure. So uh, I apologize to our listeners. And I am not Drew DeArmond. But uh, there has been a lively discussion tonight. Uh, I can tell you, I know I'm a little frustrated being a Bama fan. I know William's a little frustrated. and Drew's a little frustrated. And that, you know, that happens in this kind of game. Alabama got their butt kicked. There, there's no other way to, to put it. They were beaten soundly on offense and defense, and it was as has been said. There have been uh, there have been multiple reasons for that, but we're looking forward to hopefully a big Bama win against USF. And you know we talked about this before. We're gonna know where Alabama is coming out of the Texas game. Well, Alabama is not as far along as we thought, and next week is the first time to take a positive step forward and show that this team can grow into what I think William Drew and I thought were going to be was going to be a really solid football team. But we'll be talking about that next week. Hopefully we'll be in a better mood. Happy days. You know, I promise Alabama fans, the sun came up on Sunday. It will in fact come up on Monday. It will be okay. 
But, you know, hopefully we'll be talking about a big man win from the South Florida game. And I got to be honest, buckle up because the Ole Miss game, the Ole Miss game is going to be uh, get your get your antacids because it might cause some heartburn. But until then, thank you so much for listening to another episode of BAMS Radio. For Drudy Armand and William Redfish Barger, I am Thomas Watts. Have a great rest of your Sunday afternoon. Uh, roll Tide.